This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT, episode 45, talking about using ANSYS simulation tools to drive the design of a unique RF antenna concept from a company called Freefall, as well as news and events from the ANSYS world. Greetings from Arizona. This is Eric Miller, one of the owners at PADT, and welcome to our podcast. It's been a busy August, um, and September is looking even more packed full of events, announcements, and new adventures. So we'd like to thank you for joining us in this little part of our world at PADT, where we talk about all things ANSYS. Let's go ahead and get into today's uh, feature, which is an interview that we did back in June. I was able to talk with Stefan O'Doherty from a company called Freefall. They're down in Tucson, Arizona, and they have a unique way of doing antennas that uh, I'll let him describe uh, in the interview. They're part of the ANSYS startup program, and they're using the tool, especially ANSYS HFSS, to really try and disrupt their industry. They have some some really cool ideas and some unique ways of doing things for both satellite-based and ground-based uh, RF antennas. So let's go ahead and listen to that interview. Like I said, he, he explains it much better than I do, and uh, see what we can learn from his company's experience using the ANSYS tool set. Hi there. I'm joined by Stefano Doherty, who is the RF engineer at a company called Freefall. And it's a really exciting uh, company that's doing some very neat stuff with antennas. And I will not spoil it, but I'll let him explain to you guys what it is. But uh, welcome uh, for joining us here. And you're, where are you calling in from? Uh, thanks, Eric. I'm uh, actually calling in from Tucson, Arizona. Great, great. So I'm up here in Tempe. So you're your usual two to three degrees cooler down there, I hope, than we are here. Yep, yep. I think we're <laughs> balmy 102 today. Ah, nice, nice, nice. Well, uh, we're here because you guys are part of the ANSYS startup program, but more importantly, what, you, uh, what you're actually building and doing is really cool. So let's start and talk a little bit about the company itself. So what, what exactly is it that, um, that Freefall does? Sure. So we're working on developing new antenna technologies for satellite communications and for upcoming 5G applications. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a startup company uh, that came out of the University of Arizona here. Mm -hmm. One of our founders and chief technical advisor, uh, Chris Walker, is a uh, joint professor in electrical engineering and the astronomy department over at the university. And he spent decades in the field of what's called terahertz astronomy. Oh. Think of as kind of uh, longer wavelengths than radio astronomy. Okay. And some of the, uh, he works a lot of um, instrumentation for that field. And some of his more recent concepts, he realized he could use uh, to uh, help create a new technology for the communications field. Okay. So a lot of what he does is balloon-based astronomy down in Antarctica. And one of our founding ideas was that we could um, take a balloon, basically mm -hmm. inflate a balloon, and turn it into a telescope. Oh. And we can do the same and take that technology and apply it to the field of satellite communications. So that's when I when you go to the website, which I, I highly recommend, it's freefallmovingdata.com. You will see some pictures of I think it's it's hanging off of a stratospheric balloon, one of your antennas. Is that correct? Yes, yes. We did a uh, actually I was a 
a piggyback flight we did. Uh, we got to go out to uh, NASA has a uh, balloon facility out in New Mexico. Cool. We got to ride on that last year as the initial demonstration of our technology. So, so it's a it's a big round balloon that you use as a as an antenna then. Yeah, uh, basically it's a alternative to using a parabola. So a lot of standard uh, stations on the ground that would communicate with satellites mm -hmm. uh, have parabolic dishes. Parabolas are great because they take um, all the incoming energy or light and focus it down to a single point. Right. Uh, the caveat is that you have a very narrow field of view and you have to precisely move your parabola then to maintain the length. Okay. Now, a sphere, on the other hand, uh, it doesn't have a focal point, but it has what's called a focal line. And with the right antenna, a kind of a line feed antenna, you can intercept all those rays and you have it. And this gives you the advantage of having a really wide field of view. Ah. So we realized that we could utilize this and make it an electronically steerable antenna to basically uh, avoid the need for a mechanical mount. So you get rid of all mechanic, uh, mechanized movement, and you can electronically steer the, uh, steer the beam on this spherical surface. Very cool, which gets into HFSS. But before we get there, let's learn a little bit about you. What's, what's your background? Where'd you go to school? How'd you end up doing simulation? Sure, sure. Um, so my initial background was in uh, astronomy for undergrad at the University of Florida. Um, and I was always kind of interested in the instrumentation side of things. Uh, for, grad, for grad school, then I came out here to the University of Arizona um, and actually got my uh, doctorate degree in uh, the field of optical engineering. Okay. So so I was working more towards um, building the telescopes versus using them at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as that went, Chris, our, our founder, is actually my advisor in grad school. Great. So I had the task of proving that the spherical reflector could really work. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes, which is which is not not uh, a given thing, right? So so getting into yeah. that, you're explain to those who are not in the antenna world what a steerable antenna is. Sure. So the easiest, which I mentioned earlier, is a mechanically steerable antenna. Right. So you take your dish, like your direct TV dish that's on your house, has to be precisely pointed mm -hmm. at a satellite. Um, okay. Now, on the terms of electronically steering the beam, what that means is you have uh, the uh, an, an antenna, mm -hmm. and it has different elements with it, within it, and you can start electrically changing uh, the properties or the phase between elements. And they interact differently then. So okay. we can utilize that interaction that is basically how we steer the beam around. So by varying the electrical phases within each element of an antenna, mm -hmm. you change how and where the beam is pointing. Okay. And this is for sending and receiving or just receiving? Sending and receiving. Okay. So cool. Very cool. Um, so why don't you share, since this is an ANSYS podcast, as much as I want to keep talking about these balloons, uh, how, what, which ANSYS products do you guys use and, and what, what are you using that, those products for? 
Sure. Um, so we are primarily using uh, HFSS, which is the EM simulation software mm -hmm. that this provides. Um, and the main point of using it is to uh, characterize and prove that our technology works mm -hmm. and want to have kind of a base design that works for a given antenna, then we have to work on optimizing it uh, for real-world applications. Mm -hmm. So trying to get an understanding for uh, how tight our tolerances need to be. If we see something in lab that doesn't make sense, we can go very few parameters within uh, the simulation software to get a feel to determine if that's root cause or not. Okay. Uh, so, you know, kind of stuff like that. Very cool. And um, so, so you're using HFSS and you're, you're basically, if I, if I understand correctly, the surface of the balloon is covered with lots of small antennas that are each tuned to a different phase. Is that correct? Oh, no. So the, the antennas um, actually, more in the central void of oh, the balloon. Okay. Um, so, like uh, a direct TV antenna, will have a little feed horn at the uh, focus point of that parabola. Okay. Uh, with the sphere, it's roughly the same point in space, except it's drawn out to a line. So gotcha. our antenna fits there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a quarter of the way into the balloon, and it is looking down at the balloon surface. Gotcha. So it takes the antenna beam pattern goes shoots it towards the uh, sphere, which mm -hmm. is a reflector, and that goes off as a nice, narrow, high-gain beam off gotcha. into space. Okay. So so the, the balloon portion is just a reflector, and then the phase, the different phased uh, horns are in the focal point or focal line. Yeah, correct. Okay. And so you're talking to a mechanical engineer here, so I, I always have to think of everything as a, a physical analogy, so I think I got it now. Um, the, one the, go ahead. One, one of the analogies that was the original inspiration was uh, the Arecibo uh, Observatory down in Puerto Rico. Okay. That's actually a spherical reflector. Oh. And uh, before they put in some new spherical correctors, they used to have a big, long line feed there. They, they would dangle from some cables, and they would physically move that to steer the beam. But that was gotcha. kind of the, the, the mark, the inspiration. Right? I did not know that. I just assumed that was a parabola. That's interesting. Okay, cool. Yep. Very neat. Um, so uh, getting into the tool itself, HF, how long have you been using HFSS? Uh, so we've been using HFSS now for, um, I think it's a little under a year. Okay. Um, probably coming up on a year, mm -hmm. maybe towards the end of summer. Um, I primarily use it just to kind of view results. We have someone uh, else on staff who does a lot of the simulation work as well. Good, good. And and you know what what's your favorite feature in the tool um, so far for you guys? Haven't used it almost a year now. Um, actually discovered or. Terrence, who also works on it, uh, discovered uh, a week or two ago this nifty feature um, that allows him to present the results of our far field pattern, the beam, mm -hmm. um, kind of in animation style. So he can uh, set up the simulation to, say, change the phases to steer a beam around yeah. and, and save the results of that in a nice little movie. 
which is great for me because I don't have enough time to go look through individual frames and I just get a nice little GIF that I can view through and see, ooh, okay, I want to see that frame in more detail then. So Very nice. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, okay. Um, if uh, I, I don't know if, if you or the, the users there have thought of what – if you could – and the ANSYS development does listen to this podcast. So those that are listening, if you could tell them you'd like one feature added to the code, what would that feature be? Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to think about that. So um, now just sometimes it seems uh, it'd be nice to view results while another simulation is running and mm -hmm. not have to get too bogged down. Um, sometimes we have that issue, but that could also be we just need more hardware. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing that I found, and it's true of RF engineers as well as uh, fluid dynamicists, is no matter how much hardware we give them, they still need more. So <laughs> you just build a bigger model. <laughs> so true. Um, so, so are you? One of the things we talk about in in the Ansys world is driving design with simulation. Um, it sounds like you guys are doing that. You're you're making design decisions based upon what you're learning from the simulation. Is that true? And is has it been you know really kind of uncovered anything that was unexpected or solved a really difficult problem? Uh, yeah, I, I think it definitely illuminates. Um, we have a complex system here, and mm -hmm. there's a general theory of how it works. But for us, it's really unlocked uh, the door to trying to understand uh, the polarization of our antennas and how we can deal with wrangling that polarization. So uh, there's been a lot there. Also, uh, you know, we had our initial base design and then we went and tried to build it and mm -hmm. we saw some oddities. So then we went back to the simulation and were able to. Optimize parameters, kind of get an idea for the sensitivity of different variables, which kind of helped us then in how we assembled this or designed parts to hold our antennas. Cool, cool. That's very, very exciting. Now, I, this this may be not applicable or not, but looking at your website, I know you guys are one of the applications for these antennas in the 5G world. Um, what What is special about 5G compared to other communication protocols and does your product address it in any special way so everything we've been talking about so far has been mainly for satellite communications we have okay. another uh, product group here which deals with the 5g work okay and the thing about 5g um true 5g is moving up to higher frequencies ah. so what you get like right now your standard wi-fi router you have sitting at in your office or at home, that's uh, around five gigahertz. Okay. Um, so that allows pretty good data transfer. But as you move up the uh, to higher frequencies, uh, like a lot of these satellites and 5G are hoping to move up to KA band, which is 28 gigahertz, mm. uh, you're able to transfer data uh, a lot faster because you can pack more data in uh, for a given frequency there. And so that's really exciting because, you know, people want to stream 4K videos on their cell phone and <laughs> the reality applications over uh, phones or the remote locations. So that's kind of the drive for the 5G systems. And using um, kind of ideas from Chris's antennas, we've developed a relatively simple concept that for the 5G world allows us to have 
a host of antennas at a fraction of the cost and use a fraction of the power that um, standard systems would have. So we're working on developing that, utilizing, again, ideas he's gotten from his uh, terahertz um, and radio background and just applying them to the communications industry, trying to get away from the standard uh, status quo of flat panel arrays that are power hungry and have a lot of electronic components. Gotcha. And you're using HFSS on that side as well? Uh, yes, when we can clear some time from our other projects. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, so that's something I learned is that, that this is really a, a whole uh, disruptive set of technologies that came out of radio astronomy, um, which I was not aware of. That's pretty cool. Yes, yeah. Oh, neat. So, so we have a lot of students that listen to the podcast, um, and, and your your journey is a little bit different, right? You you were a, a astronomer and then a, a, a optics engineer who started using simulation as part of your job. So, so what would you give advice to someone that's you know just starting a job and just starting to get into simulation? What have you learned in that journey? Well, you're never going to get the right answer from simulation right away. <laughs> There's not a magic button that gives you the answer. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the biggest thing is you have to build some confidence in what you're simulating. So really, you want to jump in and start your complicated system and get the answer. Mm-hmm. But it's really best to start with building blocks. You know, you know what a textbook answer for X will give you. So you work on the simulation software and make sure you get that. Uh-huh. And then you go on to the next step. Because if you don't understand all the knobs of the software, you might be just making up stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of my initial two cents. <laughs> no, that's that's really applicable. That's really good to know because I think we all do that, especially because the software makes it so easy to just read your whole assembly in and apply boundary conditions and run. But uh, especially your device, it sounds very complicated. So <laughs> probably not good to start there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so before we, we finish up, is there anything else you want to add about the company, about yourself, about your use of HFSS? Um, don't think so. I think we, we covered a lot. So um, it's been a, a great help with the startup program to get our feet wet and get these uh, products up and going and simulating them as well. So. Yeah, and and for those who aren't familiar with the startup program, what it basically is is Ansys uh, sells the full suite of products, whether it's mechanical, fluids, high-frequency electromagnetics, low-frequency electromagnetics, um, at a price that is affordable to the startup. So it's it varies depending on the funding level and and success of the of the startup. So it's a way for the technology to get into these early stage companies um, and help them get to market faster and, and use simulation to drive their design. So we love it. Uh, here at PADT, some of our favorite customers are the startups because they're doing such cool and different things with the software. Um, it, it's it's fun, you know. We've we've been mo- I personally have been modeling turbine blades for over thirty years. I I, I, I could. I would rather look at something else. So <laughs> it's good to see what you guys are doing. Um, I think uh, the other only other question I have for you guys, if you can share it, what's what's next for for your company? Are you guys have a launch coming up or a pilot program or anything you can share? Um, we're working on, um, doing a ground station demonstration of our spherical, okay. uh, reflector technology. And, uh, I think we're kind of aggressively, um, 
looking for launch opportunities at the end of this year or into the beginning of next year for our inflatable balloon on a CubeSat concept. Oh, perfect idea. Right, because you've got such limited space on the CubeSat. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Cool. So, like I mentioned earlier, the website is freefallmovingdata.com. And if you go to slash news or just click on the news uh, in the menu there on the website, you'll see a really cool article that, that I came across recently from Wired that's linked on their, their website about the, a telescope that they're looking at that looks like a giant beach ball. But it kind of explains what we've been talking about for that. And uh, I think if you scroll down a little bit, um, you can see some other um, uh, articles and things about what's going on there at Wired and, and check out their technology. I think there's a there's a branch for the antennas as well as for the 5G. So for SATCOM and 5G, yes. So cool. There's even a video, which I probably uh, will try and we'll try and link to on I'll try and get Trevor to link to that because I think it helps explain what we've been talking about. Because when you're on when you're on a podcast, it's hard to explain things without pictures. So <laughs> well, cool. I really appreciate your time. Um, I've learned some really neat stuff and I will continue to watch what you guys are doing and um, let us know how we can help. Sounds good. Thanks for your time as well. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, welcome back. Every time we talk about 5G and space communications, I learn just a little bit more. There's so much in our world today that really revolves around this idea of radio frequency or RF communication and the antennas and, and electronics that go into all that are such a, such a huge part of our modern world. It's good to talk to somebody that's kind of in the thick of it. Um, even if you're not in the antenna world, I think this is a great example of how you can change what uh, everyone thought was a stable industry. Um, they're, they're using some really cool and neat ideas. It's, it's great to see them as part of our local Arizona startup scene, which PADT is very active in, and especially um, as one of the companies down in Tucson um, that's, that's really doing some incredible stuff. And it's quite a hotbed of high tech down there. So we, we love doing business with our Tucson friends. So good stuff. Uh, let's take a little bit of a commercial break and we'll be back with news and other such stuff. Hi, I'm here to talk about one of the most important services that PDT offers to ANSYS users, our training classes. It's a great time to be a simulation engineer. The software tools we use get better with every release. They're easier to use and more powerful. There are so many different physics we can model with ever increasing accuracy. And all this increasing functionality along with places we can apply simulation, have one big downside. Existing users need to keep up with new capabilities, and new users need to get up to speed as quickly as possible. That is why PADT offers training and mentoring. For almost 25 years, we've been efficiently teaching engineers how to use ANSYS products. Even though there are many online options out there, nothing beats being in a classroom with an expert, where you can learn the theory, understand the principles, and apply them in practical workshops. Our classes can be taught at one of PADT's five locations. We can come to your office, or we can set up a class at a rented space. And don't worry, we bring the hardware, the materials, and the expertise. You bring the questions. We can teach standardized classes, or we can customize them to meet your needs. Our courses cover every major ANSYS product, and you do not have to purchase your ANSYS license from PADT. We can provide training to any user anywhere in the world. Learn the ANSYS products you use faster and in greater depth by contacting PADT today. Email joe.woodward at padtinc.com or use info at padtinc.com.
If you'd like to talk to a human, call 480-813-4884 and ask to speak to somebody about ANSYS training. We're eager to help you learn your products faster and better. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started by taking our normal look at the ANSYS stock. And it's it's been doing well. Um, it is at uh, $218.04. Uh, this is, uh, what's today? It is August 22nd. Um, and uh, it peaked a few days ago um, above 219, so which is very impressive uh, if you consider the volatility in the stock market these days uh, with all sorts of other stuff going on that have nothing to do with the performance of ANSYS. Um, it's weathered most of that and done quite well. Year-to-date, uh, the ANSYS stock is up 58.41%, whereas the S&P 500 is only up 19.47%. So it's really outpacing the, the broader market indicator. And we, and we talked in the last podcast uh, about the first half and second quarter numbers that ANSYS reported. Um, you know, it's a strong company, and, it, and it's great for those of us who are users of the tool that they're doing so well. So continue to watch that um, and, and see where they go next. In the in the world of ANSYS news, uh, one story I wanted to point out, and you, you can always just go to the ANSYS website and, and check out their news feed to, to read these stories that I mentioned, is that ANSYS is named to the fast company list of the 50 best workplaces for innovators. So what does that mean? We see these lists all the time. Kind of dug into it a little bit. What they're really looking at is if you're an innovative person, if you're somebody that wants to use technology to change your industry or change the world, where's a good place to work? And uh, they felt that Ansys was uh, belonged on that list. It's not one of those uh, things where they rank people from one to fifty. It's just uh, of the three hundred some companies they looked at, Ansys ended up in the top fifty that they chose to highlight. And and if you go to the Fast Company website uh, or, or Google this this story about Ansys top innovation, um, you'll see that there's some pretty impressive companies in that list alongside Ansys. So good good company to be in. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. I've worked with the innovators at Ansys for you know thirty some years, first as a user and then as a reseller. Um, and um, very closely with development over many of those years. And I can I can say it really is a good place to work if you're an innovator. You really get to do some cool uh, novel things and and kind of change the way we do engineering. They've, they've definitely done that over the years. So it was nice to see that recognition. I thought I'd point that out to everybody. Um, they announced two partnerships as well uh, that I think are worth noting. Uh, they do a lot of these press releases and stories where they say, hey, this cool thing happened. Um one was with a company called AGI, and they kind of have simulation software for, for modeling satellites, spacecraft, missiles, rockets, those sort of things, um, orbiting around the Earth and planets and that sort of thing. And and they've kind of partnered with ANSYS to have ANSYS model the hypersonic portion of reentry. Um, that, that's really kind of important because... Um, to be honest, hypersonic simulation in, in our CFD products that, that ANSYS represents wasn't necessarily the best uh, best on the market. It wasn't wasn't an area of focus for many, many, many years. Well, that's changing. Um, we recognize that our customers don't want to go to a third-party niche code to do this this regime of the solving. So they're taking a look at ANSYS. And there's, there's a lot of other stuff in uh, this announcement with AGI. So if you're in the satellite business or the... Anything that goes that leaves or uh, the low, it's not an airplane, but above an airplane, check out 
So you probably know AGI. So check out the the hypersonic reentry modeling that uh, Ansys is doing with them. The the next one I want to talk about is Subaru. So Ansys has been announcing many partnerships with uh, companies that are electrifying their automobiles, and the latest one is with Subaru. Um, so those of you who are millennials or live in Denver, and uh, that's a joke, uh, like Subarus. Uh, the fact that we're involved with their electrification effort is is really cool, and uh, we're we're big fans of Subaru at PADT. Uh, many of our employees actually drive them, which is why I made that joke. Um, and uh, it'll be cool to see what they come up with and how Ansys helps them get there. So, uh, yet another auto company doing electrification using Ansys to drive it. So, PADT news: um, we are going to have a really cool announcement on some new equipment coming down the pipeline um, that uh, I won't tell you any more about, but look for that in uh, this podcast or in one of our uh, uh, press releases or uh, newsletters. That's a pretty cool thing. We're excited about it. Um, What else do we have to talk about? I think the biggest uh, news since the last time we talked is that PDT was awarded a U.S. Army Phase 1 SBIR grant. Um, and it was for a combustor geometry research using 3D printing simulation and product development. So this is our 15th SBIRSTTR. Uh, this one's with the Army. And it's of interest to those of you in the simulation world because we're using ANSYS Fluent to model novel geometry for cooling holes in turbine engine combustion liners. The, the goal is to come up with geometry that keeps the holes from being clogged with sand. This is a project we're doing with Honeywell, which is a very close and special customer of ours. Um, and they, of course, make these combustors for helicopters, uh, jet engines that go on helicopters. And <clears throat> they want to, to work with us to try out some things on on how we can come up with some cool geometry that can only be 3D printed that can keep those holes from getting clogged. So uh, we can't wait to report those results. Uh, we, we just won it. We'll start in a couple months. It'll, it's about a six-month project. So when the phase one is done, hopefully we'll maybe get the CFD side of the team on the podcast to talk about what they did and uh, how Fluent helped them do that. It's, it's kind of cool because we had to model the buildup of the, the stuff that clogs the holes. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of a unique little tool. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to sharing that with you. We're really excited about it. We're excited about winning 15 of these. Uh, we've got a couple more uh, proposals going out shortly, so we hope to have more to report. Uh, the other thing we like about this project is it we, we always love it when we can combine simulation with our additive manufacturing experience. So we'll be doing metal 3D printing as part of this whole thing. And there's some other stuff bubbling up. Uh, maybe in a month or two, we'll report about those. Publication-wise, let's take a look at the ANSYS blog. Um, I, I Honestly, I only found one article that I think I, I'm going to recommend this time. Usually, I recommend three, but... Uh, you know, they come and they go. Sometimes there's more than, than, than three. Sometimes there's one. This time there's one, but it's really cool. Um, it's a, it's a story about how engineers are using biomimicry. So, you know, trying to model the natural world uh, to innovate the propulsion of unmanned underwater vehicles. So if you look at, say, how a, uh, I think it's like a squid or an octopus moves forward, um, or cuttlefish, I think it actually is. They've got these kind of long fins on the side that go in a wave motion. It's a, one of the most efficient ways to move through the water. So they're modeling a man-made uh, vehicle that goes underwater that uses the same kind of propulsion system. And I just found that fascinating. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Check that out. Uh, PDT blog, Ted Harris, uh, our frequent contributor to this podcast um, and the head of our technical support team here at PDT. Uh, he did a great article that, that 
was really useful to me because I, I wanted to explore this area of ANSYS Mechanical, uh, overcoming convergence difficulties with automatic remeshing. So it's nonlinear adaptive regions where you can say, hey, you know, when, when things get a little crazy mesh-wise, go ahead and automatically remesh it, converge on the new mesh, and then move forward uh, with your nonlinear solve. So um, if you haven't tried automatic remeshing, give it a give this uh, article a read and, and try it out. Even if you are using it, there might be some hints in there that he uncovered while trying to get it done. Event-wise, we've got our next webinar. is going to be this coming Wednesday after this podcast comes out, August 28th. That's 11 p.m. or 11 a.m., I'm sorry, Phoenix time, which is when we usually do them. And uh, this one is High Frequency Electromagnetics Update ANSYS 2019 R2. So we'll be talking with our, our high frequency team, which is very appropriate with our discussion today on antennas. Um, so we'll be talking about uh, what's new uh, in the latest release from ANSYS. And there's actually quite a bit, as you would imagine. So look forward forward to uh, listening to that webinar. And as all of with all of our webinars, you can go to www.brighttalk.com and uh, just search for PADT and you can see all the recordings there as well as upcoming ones. Please do register and then you can listen to them live or at your leisure. Um, and you can also, if you don't want to go to brighttalk.com, you can go to our website, padtinc.com slash events. And any of the stuff we talk about in the events section, you can click on the the information or registration link that's with that. And speaking of upcoming events, um, we got a lot coming up, like I said, and September's very busy. And let me go through these very quickly. The first one is we'll be attending the Rocky Mountain Life Science Investor and Partnering Conference, which is uh, in Vail, uh, Colorado this year. Darn it. I'm going to really suffer. I'm going to that one. That's September 4th and 5th. Um, the, the event is mostly on the day of the 5th, and we'll be looking at a lot of cool startups in the life sciences area. Uh, the next event is going to be Manufacturing Tech Council, which is a group uh, for, for advanced manufacturing. They're doing a panel on advances in additive manufacturing on September 10th. That's 10 a.m. Phoenix time. And uh, I'm going to be on that panel. I'm going to be talking about 3D printing and, and what kind of our journey at PADT in the world of additive manufacturing and where we see it going. And we've got some great guests on that panel. They're going to talk about how their technology is changing additive manufacturing as well. Um, and I'll try and get a plug in for simulation while I'm on there talking about 3D printing. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, go to pdtinc.com slash events to register for this. There's a link there on that page. That's not something we're hosting, so so follow that link. Um, I'll also be, for those of you who might be listening from New Mexico, I'm going to be at the annual uh, New Mexico Tech Council Experience It uh, conference. It's their annual get-together for the Tech Council. Uh, it's going to be at the Sandia Resort and Casino on September 13th. It's an all-day event. I'll be at the, the VIP Mixer the night before and the, the Tech Crawl, I guess they call it, uh, the evening of the 13th. But uh, I'll be speaking. Uh, on a panel about additive manufacturing and simulation, hopefully, and then also speaking um, uh, around on other topics and at a table that PDT will have at the event. So I'm looking forward to meeting any of you who are out there in New Mexico and uh, want to come out to the day for the Tech Council. After that, we've got a STEM event on the 17th. I'll be on a panel from 10.30 to 11.30 uh, talking about my experience uh, moving from being a technical person to being a business owner. And then I'll also be talking with students one-on-one -on -one and kind of a speed dating thing uh, for STEM students from 11.30 to 12.30. And then the final event 
It's the most important event of September is the 2019 Colorado Additive Manufacturing Day. So anyone I offended in Colorado by making my Subaru joke, um, you can come on down to a, (laughs) you can drive your Subaru down to a uh, uh, artisan craftsman brewery uh, in Littleton. Uh, It's called Blind Faith Brewing. Uh, This is where we always have this event. This is the the third year we've done it and it's a great location. Um, it's, It's beautiful there on the side of the river. Um, in in uh, Littleton, so um, do check that out. Do register for that. It's on the twenty fifth, and it goes from one uh, p.m. to seven p.m. there in Littleton, Colorado. And we're gonna we have a, a great agenda full of speakers. Um, we'll be talking about uh, Ansys. Will be there talking about their additive solutions. Um, we've got people, customers like Lockheed. We've got uh, experts from local universities talking. It's it's a great event. Uh, of course, Stratasys will be there as well as Desktop Metal and the other companies we work with, Zeiss. So if you're in Colorado, we you should have gotten an invitation to this because we've been telling everybody for a while now. But if not, go to our events page, RSVP, so we have enough pizza for everybody. So do check that out. That's on the 25th in Denver or in Littleton, actually, which is south of Denver. So do check that out if you're in the area. We'd love to see you. It's a great time. It's my favorite, uh, our second favorite uh, gathering of the year. We usually have an open house here in Tempe, and uh, this this is my second favorite one. So thank you. That's it. I got nothing else to talk about. Don't forget to subscribe at www.padtinc.com slash opt in and spread the word about our podcast. Our, our readership is growing. We, we hope uh, you, you liked our two-part episode, two, uh, episode uh, 43 and 44 were a two-part episode about Granta, which is a new acquisition by Ansys that we're really excited about. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Uh, it's it's going to change your change how you deal with materials. And uh, as always, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Ansys podcast, episode 45. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Ansys Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.